We are Diabetics Doing Things. Welcome back. It's the Robin Eritrea Show for February. We are still telling the amazing stories of people with diabetes from all over the world. It's February. It's Black History Month, and that means that I'm a menace on all platforms. I'm nonstop. I'm unstoppable. I'm here to make all of the colonizers feel bad all the time. It's also just a great time for history, like learning stuff, a bunch of stuff's happening in the world. But I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I think uh, I follow LeBron's lead on this. Every month is Black History Month, is what he was saying. And, and I think, you know, that's something we want to celebrate for sure. Well, as we reshuffle, we are literally zooming through the year. I cannot believe it's February 8th. And then as I think about February and Black History Month, I was really thinking a lot about our content. And sometimes being a person of color and in the space, I ask myself to be intentional and like add value to these thematic months that happen every year. But this year I was like, We've kind of done this before already. So I wanted to re-highlight our series, More Than a Diabetic, which is still alive on YouTube, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. And I invite you guys to check it out this month. It's really a good lesson in the disparities of healthcare and how it can really impact people of color and what better place than to hear from than people of color themselves. And so we've got some really great episodes. We republished the first one this week with Mila Clark Buckley and Taylor Bedick, Roy Collins, Chelsea Rice, and Shay Struthers, myself, and Rob. So I really implore you guys to check them out this month. And yeah, can't stress enough how much great content we have in our library. It was definitely the right move and to repost it. I think sometimes, too, I forget because we're moving so fast. We've done so many episodes. We've got so many great guests. You know, how do we make sure that we're continuing to highlight that in a different time? And it, this is obviously the right time for it. We released it in 2021. Black History Month was our was our content then. I, I do think it's important for non-black people with diabetes to center the discussion around people with diabetes who are black and brown, not just during Black History Month, but it's always a good perspective to have that our experience is totally dictated by our melanin and yeah. everything from your interactions with your doctor to whether you're prescribed uh, an insulin pump or not. I remember we interviewed Chris Leeper, so we need to probably highlight his episode because this is a huge part of his story that his doctor mm -hmm. didn't even think to tell him that insulin pumps existed for years. And so, you know, it was years before he even learned that that was an option. And that just speaks to those disparities in devices and healthcare in black and brown communities. So much of your lifespan is dependent on the zip code you were born in. All, all those things are, are much they're very documented. We're listening to patient experiences, real people with diabetes. You mentioned some of their names. Yeah. And the whole series is there. One of the things I think that really positive came out of that was a, you know, there's an episode about like a sort of a JDRF controversy where they didn't protect the, they did a Juneteenth post and they didn't have a community manager managing the, the comments yeah. and it got really racist and out of control and, and bullying and kind of like backfired. One of the things that came out of that, because we have a really close relationship to JDRF and mm -hmm. me in particular, and we work with them on a lot of different, in a lot of different capacities, which we want to continue to do. And there are, you know, they were there for my family, you know, early on, like getting connected, like the walks and, and all of the things and all the money that they raise for research. And when diabetes is cured, JDRF will inevitably be part of a huge part of the reason why. And right. at the same time, there are real opportunities, especially within like the membership and, and increasing and including more people. And I know you're helping 
volunteer mm-hmm. on a committee here in Dallas with that. All that to say, like the, there was a chapter that they reached out directly and said, Hey Rob, like we've been watching these videos. And this was just last year. Like mm-hmm. we've been watching this video again and really challenging ourselves to make sure that we're getting outside of our normal routines and our normal venues and our normal speakers. And I went to that and I spoke at the type one nation summit and it was the most diverse type one nation summit I have ever been to. And so you know, these things are uncomfortable for, and I think like that sometimes is the initial response from white people who feel like they're doing good is like, this is uncomfortable because it, it shines a light on something that they really don't see, or they really don't have top of mind all the time. But shout out to the people who are, are taking these lessons and who are learning. I also am learning every day, every time we include a more diverse perspective, it opens up my eyes to how different of an experience it is. <clears throat> and you and I talked about this yeah. My, at the end of last year, because there was the first time I ever really spoke about white privilege and diabetes was in like a group of other key opinion leaders and influencers in the space. And I don't know that I was really ready for it, but I just knew that my experience was not the same experience as our black and brown friends and, and community members with diabetes. And kind of had to explain that to some other white folks in the room because they were having trouble connecting like just because you're white doesn't mean diabetes is going to be easy for you. And that's not what anyone is saying, but there are inherent biases and inherent barriers that have been around for a long time that a lot of people, white people in particular with diabetes aren't thinking about necessarily because they don't encounter them. And it's important to center that conversation, especially this time of year. I also think it's really important to remember that I think people, something that crosses in my mind is like, People are like, what's the point? Like, what? Why should I speak up? If I speak up at this small level in this little room with this, what's gonna change, right? And I don't, I don't remember if we've told this story before on the pod. So if you've heard it before, I'm sorry. It's so weird to me that you remember this specific moment because truly, like, if you wouldn't have spoken up at that meeting, I wouldn't be here, diabetics doing things. So let me just, I'm gonna fill the context blank spaces for the audience real quick. Rob spoke up at some meeting that he was at to include diversity. There was a person of color. I don't want to put them out there. There's a person of color at that meeting who noticed. And then later on, I met Rob and I was like, who is this? Who is this white man? Was was my question. And that person told me, Rob is legit. He is a cool guy who actually cares about this on his own time. And it's not to like give you flowers, but it's so that other people will listen and be like, when you speak up and you let people of color know that you are a real ally, we will come to those places and we'll add our value and we'll create a relationship and I don't know, maybe have a podcast together, you know? So it's really interesting how those seeds can be planted when you do have the good intentions. And to the white people who say that like, oh, this is uncomfortable, it's a form of reparations. You're having to do the work to dismantle things that you kind of are, that have been made to cater to you, right? But catering to you is not really making the system better for everyone. And the only way we're free is if if we're all free. And I am off of my Black History Month pedestal now. But no, it was just a really big project and it meant a lot to me and being able to come here and make it happen. And I see every day, like, you know, even in my other job, I know it's, it's common knowledge and it's public information, but I am the only black woman there. I'm the only black person. And someone asked me, they were like, you know, why are you okay with that? And I was like, because someone has to fight the good fight and I don't mind fighting it from the inside. How can I change a table that I'm not sitting at? How can I rock something that I don't have access to? That's, that's a question that I get from different avenues, you know, from a lot of different stuff that I work in that people are like, why are you okay with X, Y, and Z? Because if I can do some of the work to make it easier for the people who are coming after me or to open the door up for more people of color, I'm going to do that because that's what I like to do. So happy Black History Month. And that's my menacing attitude. Change the world, make it better. 
I, I think, though, I want to focus on people really ask you that. Why are you OK with that? Yeah, I've had yeah. like in the last three weeks, I had someone ask me if I was sure that where I was was where I wanted to be. And I was just like, mm. yeah. And they were like, well, you're the only person of color there. And like, aren't you tired of barking the same bark? Like, aren't you exhausted saying, hey, we need more people of color. Hey, we need to do this. Hey, we need to diversify. No. You know, I'm, I, I was reading earlier this week that resilience is a genetic trait. And, you know, I come from a family of a lot of resilient people of my, like the tribe that I come from specifically in Eritrea, they're like warriors. And I didn't know that for a long time until recently. And I'm just like not tired. Like that would never daunt my spirit. I'm expecting you to push back. I'm expecting you to be like, eh, well, we've got you so that I can continue to be like, or how can I secretly slip those people in? Right. So I'm always going to do that. I'm always going to try to do what's best, not because it's better for me. It's better for the organizations that I'm at and for our audiences, like it's going to benefit everyone. So that's why I do it. We did a lot of things back to basketball, but one of the things in, in one of my teams that I run, we were, you know, having a tough game or whatever. And I was like, you know, what we all need to focus on is getting a bucket for somebody else. And when we all started to do that, it opened everything up. Everybody started to get into a rhythm. And I think too many people look at most things, especially competition or especially, you know, maybe DEI as like zero sum games where if like you're giving something to someone, you're taking it from someone else. And I just think that that is a small minded way of looking at things because in my experience, it doesn't really work that way. There's, there's typically enough for all of us to get what we want. We have to ask for it. We have to make space for it. But if you're aligned on a shared vision, so in this basketball example, we want to win this game. And that's really the only thing that kind of goes in the book, you know, is win or loss. So how we do that doesn't really matter. So if it's a, hey, the best way for us to win is for each one of us to be focused on making life easier for someone else uh, or, you know, getting, making somebody else look good. And if you have that MO of support first, it's amazing how far you can go quickly too. So I think that's, that's kind of the, the mentality that I have on that. It's the mentality I have about competition. Uh, I think that people are too afraid to make space for other people because they feel like something's going to be taken away from them. And that's not just in uh, different cultures or different races or whatever the case it is, but it's also in competitions. Like there are other diabetes podcasts. I'm not threatened by them at all because who cares? Uh, I think that's good that there's more people that want to tell stories. I can't do them all. We, We talk about this all the time internally. It's like there's so many people that want to come share their story with us on the podcast. I would love to do it every day. We're not in a position to do that right now. So you know, the fact that there's podcasts starting up and there's long pod, long-term long podcasts and all those things, like I operate from a growth mindset with that. That's excellent. That's an excellent opportunity for people to tell their stories. It's going to reach someone somewhere. It's going to help make their life easier with diabetes. And also my weird, like I love like filling up people's buckets. Like if I, if I feel like if you know me and I hear about a job or something, I speak your name in rooms you'd have no idea because that's just who I am. It's fun. Like it's fun to see other creators do great things. And while we're on the topic of fun, tell me what is happening in 2024 with Diabetics Doing Things. I know we're doing a bunch of fun stuff. We already had like a little event this year that's kind of secret, not so secret. <laughs> but we've had a bunch of other stuff going on. And I wanted to ask you, the host with the most, tell us what's happening in 2024 with our events. Yeah, I think the the best way to do that is to go back to last week's episode 
you know, where I did the solo episode and kind of talked about what's coming and, and the different events. Diabetes Legends is coming back. We're going to do another pickleball event in December. Uh, we did our first virtual event with North Texas Food Bank under our Getting Started with Diabetes series. So uh, we're doing a lot. Doing all the things is, is, is our way. And that's just, you know, I think, again, as we we're going to talk a little bit about the beginning of my year and how, you know, even busy for me things have yeah, been. Yeah, yeah, yeah and in demand my time is and, and like challenges that we're all kind of adjusting to from that, but we'll get to that later. But I think the thing is like, we're, we've at least figured out a little bit of what our station is uh, and ways that we can make our year more predictable ways that we can ha- make our impact more measurable and continue to do the things that we love to do. Like the podcast, tell the stories, yeah. go to the events, meet people in person, include to- people from different places. That's why some of our events this year are like going to be strategically located. Cause we noticed that like, certain shades go to certain areas and we want to include everyone yeah <laughs> exactly stuff like that too so diversifying our events and the people who are there because that's important to us yeah and also just creating more opportunities for people to connect i saw today there was like a south florida meetup and there were like 15 people with diabetes there all showing their devices and like having a good time friends of the pod new friends old friends there and i was like you know what like there really is just power to go meeting up with people with diabetes and, and that's something that uh, didn't exist for me you know few years ago and and now my life is better because of it so so don't take it for granted like 2020 was not that long ago you know i think about that all the time because like we really were so tired of working we just wanted to stay home we thought it'd be a few weeks and then they shut the, the world down for like two years so i am grateful for the events that are happening in person and i will continue to be grateful what we're talking about 2024 all the things that we were working on some of the stuff we touched on in our last episode together but i wanted to update for the book you were writing, because you were very mysterious and like secretive. And I was just like, I wonder if you can leak us a little bit. Of- uh, yeah, it is mysterious. It's a book. It's so there's a lot of diabetes books. And I think my main, my main filter is like, I don't want to just have another diabetes book or this be like Rob's story and animated. And, you know, not, not, I mean, not no disrespect to any authors. Like if you're an author, I was and you get Kobe. A book I was out like, in public, but Kobe's uh, he won an Oscar. I'm not gonna not not gonna say anything wrong about Kobe on two eight twenty four. Okay, so I will say that I've struggled for a long time wondering like what my perspective is and like what my place is in that book. We had a real go live today talking about how our per- perspective has shifted about you know while yes it's true you can do anything with diabetes that like some for some people that's not exactly true and we don't want to alienate them and and I want to make sure to leave space for that. So the book that I'm writing is a a daily, I would say like devotional would be like my, the way to describe it. So it'll have a quote from someone, whether it came from the podcast or it came from some of my readings and it'll have some space to talk about how I relate to that with diabetes. It'll be a little bit of diabetes and a little bit of life, which is if you're close to me, you know that I love quotes and I have a ton of them that I operate from on on a regular basis. And I also didn't want it to be another journal. There are a lot of journals out there and, you know, Neil Greathouse actually just published one that's really good. So I wanted it to be unique and I wanted it to be me. So it's a daily devotional. I have a name for it. I'm not going to release it yet, but I'm cranking away on that. So hopefully by the end of the year, I'll have a manuscript that I can take to the next phase. So that's the update on the book. No, first of all, I love that. I I like that a devotional is so... I feel like if you really, if you're close to you, that's so on brand for you. Like it's not just the quotes, but it's also just like the whole thoughtfulness about your life. Cause I think people forget how hard it is to be mindful about your life. Like you have to intentionally do it. It's not just, it doesn't just happen, you know? 
Um, well, and, and I think too, like I benefited really started last year, or I guess it was right at the end of 2022, writing in the journal. I did that. I, I'm still doing that. I started reading a little bit of passages from books that I wanted to read during that time. So re- I reread mm-hmm. the Tao Te Ching, which is an, an amazing sort of style book like that, like probably 200 little tiny chapters of like one or two pages. And I really benefited from that. And then Rick Rubin released a similar book last year. I haven't read that, but it's about creativity. There's a lot of different ones. There's The Daily Laws by Robert Greene, The Daily Stoic by uh, Ryan Holiday. I was reading The Art of Noticing, which is very similar. I remember that. I got that when I was in Sweden in 2022 in a little bookstore. And it's incredible. It's just the 300 or so exercises of how to notice things. And I so I read that one. That it's good. So good. You ought to read it. It's really, it's really good. So I would read a little bit of that and then I would start journaling and that really helped me. And so I was like, you know, maybe there's a space for me to do a book like this because, you know, do what you know and do what you love. Yeah. So that, those are the types of books that I like to read, especially as I'm kind of getting my day started. It helps my brain unravel. So that's like that. what I'm, we that's should put what them I'm in doing. the show notes. I will say that I, I've always been a journaler. Like I have my, this is going to sound insane to you. One day I'll let you read it. And actually it's very on theme for today, but I have the journal entry from the day I got diagnosed. Yeah. I was 23 years ago. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Actually 23 years ago. This is my diversary episode, you guys. But I think sometimes also being around certain people, you get stuff from them by osmosis. That's why you should be careful who you mm. surround yourself with. And talking to you all the time, I've like somehow like just absorbed things. So my journaling has also been going really good, but I've been looking for books to read. So maybe you could, we could put them in the show notes for everyone who's also on this journey with us of self-improvement and growing as humans. Cause I think that that's so important and just something we don't think about enough is talking to yourself. I don't know, in a way, almost reparenting yourself or coaching well, I, yourself or what you need. I think having awareness on the way that you talk to yourself, like, would you talk to someone else that way? I think that was something that I really unlocked Mm. for myself in 2022 is like, I would never talk to someone or treat someone the way that I was treating myself. And I thought, you know, I created this story in my mind that I had to do it that way. So where I'm at now is, is a much more balanced, much different place. So that's that update. And I'm excited to keep on cranking away. There's a bigger update that I want to, oof, this one last, so last month you were here and this during black history month, guys, this privileged white man told me that he was paying $650 a month for his insurance and could not get his insulin. And I was like, dog, if you can't get your shit, how am I going to make it out here? So did you get your fias? So my doctor hooked me up with some more samples. I'm sitting here looking at my transcript from a voicemail. So we've got like another denial. They have the case number. They're like, my doctor's working on it with the insurance. And I don't know, it's kind of like, the update was that there's no update. So I'm not getting my insulin through my insurance right now. Uh, it is fias, but my doctor's mm. giving me samples. So I have a great doctor. He's helping me out, but I'm encountering a lot of barriers. Like I said in that story, which it's so it's weird too. Like that was my most popular Instagram story I shared in like years. So that's something I, I often struggle with is that the most popular diabetes content is always negative. It's like, oh, I had this terrible high blood sugar. Oh, I had this terrible low blood sugar. Oh, I had this scary moment. Oh, I had this inconvenient moment with my insurance. Uh, Or I'm like at risk of not getting the medicine that I need. And so it creates like a loop sometimes, a pattern loop of like only sharing those types of things. So I'm being very mindful of, okay, yes, I do need to share that. I think it's important to, like you said, for people who are having issues to let other people know that I am also having those issues, even though... Uh, I'm supposed to have good insurance and I pay an arm and a leg for it. 
also I'm paying for all my other employees to be on this plan. So like throw me a bone here. It's like literally just let me have the medicine that I need. <clears throat> Bro, if I pay $650 for anything, eyebrows are coming off. Hair <laughs> is being lost. Pe- I am tying you to a chair and plucking your eyelashes off your head. Like, what is happening? Why do we have to go through all these hurdles to get what we need? But on the topic of people only relating to bad stuff. So it's, it's so layered here because having diabetes is a bad thing. <laughs> it is not a fun thing. It's not cool. Facts. Some of us live on the more privileged side where we have access to all this artificial intelligence, like the AID systems that you and I live on, right? So I have my tandem Dexcom loop. You're on the Medtronic system. So it makes diabetes a lot easier. And we have some of those negative moments much less. So there was a post I saw this week that said people with diabetes are living their lives fatigued as if they've only not slept for three days. And I looked at the post and I was like, that's not true. I'm sorry. Have you ever not slept for three days? With as for the diabetes, it's not the it's not the same. So I think also there's this pity party that it's easy to invite ourselves to. Is diabetes hard? Yes. Is it disabled in different ways? Yes. Can it vary from people? Yes. I'm lucky. You're lucky. I try not to look over there in the dark too much because if I do, I will live there. I will move in. I will only believe in the bad stuff. So. I, I, that's what I'm saying. These are the coaching things I have to do for myself. <laughs> well, you know, not to be a manifest guy, not to be a mindset guy, but you know, you guys know <laughs> red me. Pill, red pill. I know, but you attract what you say and what you do and who you're around. So if you're telling yourself a story that it's hard, it will become hard. Now it's not to say that it's not real. It is real. It sucks. I do not want it. I have been on this podcast saying multiple times, I will give my diabetes back to the first person who wants to come and take it from me. I do not want, I do not want immunosuppressants though. So that is my caveat for that right now. But yeah, I am willing to give it back. It is not worth it to me. There was a time where there were people who thought I was faking my diabetes for this, like, you know, to, to get in position Yeah, and and other people as well, because we have, you know, an able-bodied existence. That's them. That's not me. But like, Again, your mindset sets the tone for everything. You are the, the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So if you're surrounding yourself with, this is hard, this is difficult, I can't do this, I'm exhausted, those things will become true just because you're saying them. Now, don't gaslight yourself, like actually deal, live in reality, but you know, make sure that you're creating and curating the life that you want. So, that, and there's um, such a fine line there of not gaslighting yourself. This, and maybe I'm just like in a therapy mindset today, but. When I was a kid, my mom used to always tell me, like, if I'd be like, I can't do it, my mom would be like, you have to be able to do it. And so, like, as an adult, like, I struggle with, like, giving up on tasks that I'm not good at. But now she'll be like, I should have never said that to you. There are absolutely things you cannot do. You cannot fly. You cannot, you know. Sure. There are things you can do. Although, I think you have to kind of dream audaciously, too, you know. Henry Ford, who I'm sure is problematic and been canceled or whatever the case, the famous quote from him is, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And I think that is, is how I would sum up the, you know, the, the negative is like, if, if you believe you can't do something, that's going to be true for you. If you believe you can do something, it's, it, it, you may not get exactly that, but you'll get somewhere different because you tried. You so, know, Rob, you, you got 29 minutes into this episode without giving us a quote. You almost made it. but you- <laughs> um, um, Almost made a full half hour. So, But I also like cited three books that I was reading. So it's yeah, like, I know. Which I was is just worse, like, right? So, but it's been a month full of things. 
I am always on this podcast being like, I'm such close friends with Rob, but there's stuff I don't know. You randomly dropped some Alamo Draft House collab, and I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. We get free tickets to Alamo. What's happening, Rob? Tell me. Yeah, if you want to go see a movie with me, you can. So yeah, I love movies. You guys know that. So if you want to go into the like how behind it, right? Like yeah, like how did it? How did you make it happen? You guys know Rob is a diabetes content creator and lifestyle and fitness and fashion and like you know lifestyle. So I love the movies. I. Don't get a ton of like celebrity style perks from this, right? They're not beating down my door to get me to like go to premieres and stuff, right? And no so red carpet, no rock house, no, Erica, you know, like all, all this stuff. It's like, and those things are fun. And I've done some of these those things too in the diabetes world, and they've all been great. And I think a lot of what I've done here, like I've just like discovered and said yes to, and just like been able to say, all right, well, this seems fun. I'm gonna go, you know, embrace the journey. So a few years ago, right before the pandemic, I got introduced to a small PR firm who offered me movie tickets to a premiere. I got put on some PR list and was able to get to go to a movie for free. And I was like, okay, cool. I want to do more like this. So I just made friends with them. I just like kept them on. I was everything that they sent me, whether I could go or not, I just responded to it and said, Hey, I'd love to do this or Hey, sorry, can't make it, but keep me in mind for future stuff. So building that relationship over a long period of time, opened me up to get to go to more movies, which is literally all I wanted. So, you know, Erica and I got to go see Air last year, the Jordan movie. We got to go to an early premiere. We got to go see Iron Claw this year, which was amazing. We had like seats with our names on them in the movie theater. And so it's like, it's kind of like really nice perks, you know? And I love movies so much. I love the movies. I think about that Tom Cruise intro to Top Gun Maverick, where he talks about, we made this for you in the movies see it in the theater. Like I love going to the movie theater. It's uh, some of the best days of my life. Even in my lowest moments, I can go tap out of reality and go sit and watch Django Unchained for two and a half hours and like have the best day. And so that is my movie. <laughs> I love the movies. I wanted to be, I want to do that. So when Alamo via the PR agency reached out and connect and they said, Hey, we're looking for people to talk about movie pass to highlight the Oscar movies that are coming back in theaters. I was like, yes, tap me in. Let's go. So yeah, I get to go see some movies for free. And a couple of people messaged me and they're like, hey, congrats on that Alamo bag, Rob. Like, congrats. I was like, more like bag of popcorn. Like they are not paying me. Like they are giving me a free, they gave me a gift card for some free food basically. And they gave me, you know, some free movie tickets, which I will say I was completely worth it. And I love that. But you know, some of these things, it's like bigger brands and like cool stuff. It's like, it's, it's cool for me. I'm happy to share. And, and I think it's a great value, like 20 bucks a month to go see unlimited movies. It's unbelievable. So uh, if you love movies, check out Alamo draft house and comment on them and tell them that I sent, I sent you because that helps me. So I would say like, if you get the chance, even if they're not paying, even if the deal is not super equitable, you and I talk about this all the time and we can kind of transition this to some changes from you as well. If it's something that you want, build that relationship, be a person who's responsive and reliable. All they want is to, all that person on the other end wants to do is to do their job and do, and and find people that can, that can deliver what they're looking for. So be that change. And with that, you changed your Instagram handle because I saw somebody tag us today. You're now (laughs) no longer Eritrea, the psycho spelling with like four letters. Uh, You're Eritrea Musa, which I I think makes you like much easier to find a, because I can just tell people, Hey, yeah, she's Eritrea Musa on Instagram and they'll find you versus Eritrea. I don't know if it's two A's or four A's, like whatever it is. So I think it's good, but what drove that change? Well, we used to be four A's. I also think it's, oh man, speaking of manifesting, before I answer your question, my whole life, anytime, I'm so on my parents today, 
anytime anything happens, my dad is always like, you're Eritrea Musa. My dad's always said to me my entire life. So it's just creepy that it's like full circle today. But anyways, I want to be more accessible to brands. That's just the truth of the matter. I'm trying to secure my bag. I would not be your little protege project if I wasn't. And you know, something that you were talking about when you're saying the Alamo thing, it's like not all in my head. My antidotes are all Rob Howe-isms. So it's like not all compensation is financial. I think you said that to me like a year ago or something like that. And I think about that all the time. And I said it to people. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, there's these other perks that you could be getting that are later on. You can build that relationship. And it's, you know, I think it's a long time coming, you know, to change my name so that I'm more findable. But also I'm just like really leaning into my creator life. Something that I've realized about myself, maybe recently, maybe not, is that I was really still stuck halfway in like tech in my brain where I'm like, am I really going to do this social media career thing for real? Even though I've been doing it now for three years. It's like, am I for real all the way in this? And so I finally made a decision that, yes, I'm just going to like full feet, go down the slide, see where it takes me, see what happens. And it made sense to just change my Instagram name and it was your idea. I'm being be honest. I'm never going to take credit for someone else's idea. But I remember when he told me and I was like, I don't want to. It felt like I was shedding this old, immature, not all the way into her content creation bag version of myself. So it was really weird. It was a really cathartic, but still weird thing to do. Uh, maybe that's like, people are like, this is just your Instagram name, Eritrea. Like, shut up. But I did have to make a Finsta after that because I was just, I already made one, but then I like added people because I was like, no, this is, I can't let go of the bullshit that I like to post. Like I like to trash post. I like to say ridiculous things on the internet. So I created like a space for that. If you got added, lucky you, if you didn't. Anyways. <laughs> I don't think I got added. So yeah. No, you didn't. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, I think, you know, you've been talking about what you want and, you know, I'm offering my, my opinions and I like, I like the change that you made. I think it's good. No, I mean, it helps, right? So I'm going to keep like, you know, and you know, while we're talking about getting bags, I think that learning from creators is so important. And we were talking earlier about how you and I both have this mindset of like everybody eats, right? Like we don't mind sharing our expertise or answering questions or, you know, even the creator collective, like the heart of that is based on putting people on dog, which is a very Dallas expression. But recently I was reached out to by a brand to work with them on a project and the pay that they offered was so low. Like it was so like, so not what I wanted. Right. But I had kind of already like done this before. And I felt like, I don't know, like become another person, channel my Rob. How, how do I make these people give me money? Right. And I said, no, for the first time ever to a brand, I was like, Hey, this is just not what I'm worth for two days of work. This is what I paid another brand. Like it was paid by another brand for this amount. Like I have the contract. I don't need to show it to you, but if you absolutely need to see it, like I have it. And I just don't think it's fair to pay me that much because then the next person of color or girl who comes up after me, like, how much is she going to make? Less, you know? What do those margins look like? So I pushed back and I was like, listen, I'll work with you guys. I was nice. I was nasty nice. Bless your heart. I was like, I'll work with you guys. Talk to your people. Let me know what they say, even if they say no, and we'll see what we can do. So I think like what you said about like trying to find that relationship where you are very responsive and very nice, like nicely say no thank you don't be like this humiliating you know and then they came back and the girl was like listen I just really really want to work with you and they were able to meet me exactly where I wanted them to like they gave me what I wanted and that was the first time I've ever done that and I was really pleasantly surprised and I'm excited to work with them in March um so yeah I think that if you are a creator the takeaway here is that 
after you do some projects, sometimes you can say no, you, you can say no. And that's going to make it better, a better ecosystem for all of us creators, instead of just like taking whatever to do whatever. So yeah. I, I also think I learned this in college. It's one of my like splashy talking points is I only learned three things in college, but one of them was people who negotiate their salary always get paid more. It may not be exactly what you want, but it's going to be more than they initially offered. So you got to get comfortable doing that. And that's a hard thing to do. I don't care how practiced you are. I don't know how many negotiation masterclasses you've taken or whatever the case is or how many creators. I had a friend last week who told me that she was working on a new job interview process and uh, she worked with a creator from TikTok who gave her an hour coaching call on how to negotiate her salary and she got paid more because of it. So learning how to do that is really important and it's uncomfortable, especially as somebody who literally is his own agent and advocates for his own payment on a regular basis. It's uncomfortable. It's a scarcity always, mindset too, right? Like, well, you're sure. like, what if they say no? Like, what if I push back and I'm like, no, thank you. And they're like, well, then buy. Like, we'll just mm-hmm. pay the next person the $2 that we offered you. So it's also just like believing in yourself. Like, I know that I am worth what I'm asking for. And that, you know, you get to own this in perpetuity. Like, you know, so for just, sure. you know, pay me. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, back to learning. And I think this is something I learned about myself last year going through the DCB Innovation Challenge is that. I need structure to and and external accountability to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a great student. It's documented. Uh, everybody who's ever heard me speak tells I tell the story about how I was valedictorian and how oh, I'm God. the only person who cares about that is me and my mom. But I tell people all the time. Does she tell so, people? Does she tell people still? Hell no, she doesn't. Hell no, she doesn't give a shit. But Sorry for cursing if you're listening to this in the car with your kids. Sorry, sorry, mom. But again, back to the structure and knowing yourself and learning about yourself. So I applied and was accepted to the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program. And I'm in cohort 28 here in Dallas. So every Friday this year, I've spent all day in a workshop with other business owners. There's 40 of us. You know, back to the diversity and, and representation piece. I am the only white male in the class. So... Yeah, I think that's great. The program as a as a whole is much more white male centric than my cohort. There are a lot of women owned businesses. There's a lot of minority owned businesses and it's great. And I think it's a good environment for me to be in because like the only other time I'm in an environment like that is in athletics. So I think I still get a lot more exposure to being a minority in, in spaces because of that. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool to have that on a business side. So I'm with these other 40 business owners. We're grinding every Friday. Some people are driving up from Austin to be part of this program. It is highly competitive. It is a super growth skill development piece. I think the bit that I'm ruminating on and f- trying to figure out like how to explain is, you know, those Instagram videos where they're like, you got to put in the work. You got to like make the sacrifices. You got to mm-hmm. get in the gym. Even when you don't want to, you've got to do it. And it's like Kobe's voice talking about the, it, that is the process. Like that is winning is like, you know, doing the work I'm doing that. <laughs> and so like, I'm not ignoring you guys or I'm like not going ghost because of any other reason other than I'm in the lab. I am working. I am growing. I am leveling up. Bro. On the other end, like I miss you guys. I miss talking to people. I miss bullshitting on social media. I miss connecting with my friends and talking about like today's the NBA trade deadline. That's like one of my favorite days of the year. And I'm so disconnected from the narrative of that because I'm working, I'm grinding all day. And then I'm spending my free time after work with my wife and I'm going to sleep. And so 
all of these goals and like all of this stuff and all this growth does not happen without sacrifice. And I right now am sacrificing. So when I emerge and I am the next level of this, you know, this menace, like to, to quote Eritrea, it's because I'm in the lab right now. I'm, I'm Kanye making 200 beats a day. I, I'm Kobe in the summertime, like 4 a.m., 6 a.m., 12, 12 p.m. I'm working. I have one question and one only. Are you a different animal, but the same beast? Exactly. That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> I, I am in the room. And, and I think, you know, back to the environment, like you got to mm. put yourself in environments that challenge you. You got to commit like, oh, you're going to take a full work day away from me every week and give me work on top of that. And that's what you say is the price for leveling up. Okay, let's go. Good. Let's get after it. Because if you, you want to be part of the metrics like that they share within this program, that like a, a dramatic majority of the percentage of companies come out of this with massive growth. You want that? You got to pay the price. It does not happen for everybody. And so, you know, I think that applies to anything in your life. If you if you want to go somewhere and it's audacious and big, you got to put in the work. You got to grind. You want a hard body? You want a Bugatti? You better work, bitch. Now. You know, <laughs> shout out, out shout I out Britney out. Spears, dude. <laughs> you want a Maserati? You know, stop. You want to well, be the life of, of the party? You better work. You better work. I'm glad you're being forged in this fire because it can only benefit the people around you and that's me and the listeners. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited for you. I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Guys, we've just been running our mouths. We still have so much stuff to cover. We do actually, but I, I was looking through the, the agenda. So all that to say, like to, to sum up this piece, we've got some new partners. We've got Thrivable, mm -hmm. which is coming on. We're going to be doing some ads for them on the podcast and in, and in the drip, which is coming. And we've got a Medtronic sponsored episode coming up from last year on World Diabetes Day, which I'm very excited to release to you guys. We've got a partnership with Embecta, who I'm very excited to teach My you people. guys about and talk to you about a new brand that makes a lot of the diabetes like physical pieces that we interact with and interacted with for a long time. I'm also going to ATTD in, mm -hmm. in Florence in March. And, and that is actually our first conference where diabetics doing things is going mm -hmm. independently of of a partnership. So typically I go to these conferences with Medtronic and I may do some stuff with them while I'm over there, but this one is diabetics doing things is going as media. So if you're listening to this and you want to chat or you want to get together while we're over there, please reach out. And I'm looking forward to connecting with all of our uh, European friends and, and delegate delegates and, and representatives from these different companies and, and organizations. It's going to be a great time. If only Eritrea was coming, that would be even better, but you know what? Soon, we'll, next year. <laughs> we'll make it happen we'll again see. another time. So this is the first of many, but it was really cool. Like ATTD was like, oh yeah, we'd love to have you guys out, come through as media. So thank you to ATTD for respecting the, the Ooh, platform and, and the pod and out. all that. Shout out to my boy, Tade Badalino, my boy. This is like the number one key opinion leader of diabetes in the world. He's the, uh, the head of the board for ATTD. So I am really happy that we are going. Even if I can't be there, I'll be attending virtually and watching some of the sessions online. And like Rob said, if you want to meet up with him, please let us know. You can even talk to me. I will set it up. Like, I will make it happen because we are really excited to see everybody. And, you know, it's a good opportunity for us. So very excited about that. Okay, so... That's enough about me. Let's talk about you. 20, 23 years with diabetes. <laughs> okay, look at that. 22 and 24. That's nice. And I was diagnosed on the 21st. So that's interesting. I've learned a lot. Recently, my dad was diagnosed. So I'm like kind of like reliving him and my little sister. So I, he, my dad was diagnosed with type 2. My little sister was diagnosed with type 1 in the winter. So I'm like reliving all that stuff. And it's my diversity. 
I think I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, and what's meant for me won't miss me. Diabetes, you terrible, terrible bitch, you will not push me down, you will not keep me down. I will kick your ass and continue on my way. In decade two, I'm just like over it. I'm very much in my Rob how I don't want to think about this anymore. I, and I don't for the most part. And that will sometimes bites me in the ass and we'll talk about that next. But yeah, for the most part, diabetes doesn't really bother me too much anymore. I don't know. Um, I don't know how the Rob how I don't want to think about this anymore works, but I'm curious to know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to approach it with curiosity. Trust me, I am thinking well, like, about it. <laughs> well, I just sometimes when you talk about it, like you'll I've never had a 99 percent in range day. Like really? Ever. Like a, never, ever, ever, ever. Yeah, we can we can girl, we can we can crack that code real quick. All you gotta do is eat it, salad yeah. for twenty four hours. Yeah, if you're a girl and you've had a ninety nine percent in range day, please tell me. I don't know. I don't know if it's my hormones. I don't know if I'm just a really cranky person. I am definitely one of those people. When I get mad, though, I can see my like I can see it, and I mine too. Tend to get angry really easily, even if you can't like see it on me, and I'm not expressing it inside. I feel like I'm boiling and I'm gonna die because all my organs are so hot and I want to kill you. So I see my graph just like trend upwards a lot times in the middle of my days and that's frustrating but yeah no when i say not think about it too much i just sometimes think i'm like your metronic system must be really awesome because it's it just sounds really awesome and it sounds like it's been a lot better with like the side changes and stuff so I, sometimes i'm a little jealous i'm just like i wish my shit was like that <laughs> come on over <laughs> plenty plenty Join of room us. on the metronic bandwagon bandwagon know. you know I don't know if i'm ready for that yet my brother but keep the door open for me just in case and speaking of like pumps and stuff Two days ago, I, I turned off all my high alarms. I shouldn't have done that, but I hate them. And most of the time, my blood sugar is not high. I'm a hypoglycemia girly, not hyper. So I turned off my high alarms. They're annoying. But I told myself in the wintertime, like, maybe I should start to turn them back on. You know, my A1C is trending over 6.3. Like, let me maybe get a little bit in tighter, tight range. A couple of days ago, I saw that my blood sugar was, like, trending high. And I was like, huh, why? So it was, like, 275 and going upwards one arrow. So I, like, bolused and, like, was, like, what's going on, pump? Like, you should be taking care of this. Like, do your fucking job. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so anyways, it was like that for, like, eight hours. And then I finally, like, went to the bathroom and, like, lifted my shirt and was, like, my pump was disconnected from my body all day. Like, all day. Like, not, just not hooked in. Just not, you know what I mean? Like, that little sound that it makes all day long. And just because Eritrea doesn't have her high alerts on, it, I did not notice. But I was really thirsty and headachey. This is the day that I had the migraine. I had to call out for our meeting that I was like, I, I cannot, what's happening to me, I'm gonna die. But that's all to say that you can be 23 years into this and still be making user error dummy mistakes, dog. And I was appalled at my- I went to bed a few months ago with that pump on suspended and it, you know, woke up really? 300. Yeah, I woke up 300 at like 2 a.m. Like I woke up with a dry mouth. I was like, why do I feel this way? And sure enough, that pump was suspended for like four hours. And there you go. <laughs> Turns out I still have diabetes. So Turns out you're not cured, Rob. Turns you're out. fine. No, it's just, and it's just like little things can also happen. So in February also I got, or mid-January to now, I got res a respiratory infection. I thought I had COVID. I would come to my meetings. I'd sound like that. My sugars were just really weird. I had to like adopt a sick day, like thing in my pump which I'm really grateful for those profiles that you can set up in your pumps really make a difference I called my endo to see like what she could see on her end so that we could adjust it together so that really helped but that seems to be going around the entire nation so that's why I'm saying this to you guys is that if you are not feeling good talk to your endocrinologist set up that six day sick day profile because high blood sugar and sickness equals possible DKA so Please try to take care of that and take care of yourself and stay hydrated because something is definitely going around. Yeah, 
It is. I, you can look at the data. Really bad RSV numbers, really bad like cough mm -hmm. and bronchial infections, sinus infections, COVID, all that stuff. Can't relate and to it's me. Too late. I can't relate because I haven't been sick since 2020, but no okay. sick days. You, no you, sick you say, days. You're saying but, it on the pod. Mm -hmm. But I have, I am a highly healthy, highly precautionary, highly vaccinated individual who wears masks on planes and who doesn't go to bars, like doesn't really interact with like in places where there's a lot of people who might be sick. Uh, except I, you know, I will say like people have been more congested in my like class and I'm like, we don't have to be in this room all together. Like they're, you know, <laughs> you're like, can I take keep, this classroom? <laughs> keep, keep your workplace symptom free is my, is my advice. But if you're, if you're trying to be more like me, hit those greens every morning, hit that water, get that sleep, jump in that cold plunge, exercise, get outside, do all the, all the Huberman stuff because that will help your immune system. So I guess I'm just a dirty loser who got sick. Anyways, don't get sick, y'all. Sickness is a mindset above all. I'm dead. I'm out. Don't do that. You saw my dad right now trying to tell me his, he can make his type 2 diabetes disappear. Um. I love it. I love Because what if he does, you know? No, if anybody can do it, it's Ahmed Musa. Speaking of making your diabetes disappear, really funny stand-up I was watching this month. So I watched the new Pete Davidson. He was talking about how he had talked about his Crohn's disease on a different stand-up. And so now people come up to him in public and they're like, you you have Crohn's disease, man? Me too. Me too. And they'll like rub their tummies. And Pete Davidson was like, no, bro, like I am the Magic Johnson of, Crohn of Crohn's disease. And it literally made me think, is that what happened with Ralph Barbosa? Like he was like, oh, I'll come on y'all's pod. Like I have diabetes just like you guys do. If you got cured, Ralph, and we don't know. I'm mad. I'm super mad. I'm super salty. And I need to know. <laughs> I wonder if he thought that that day that I walked up to him at Nordstrom's, he was just like, actually, I don't have the same kind of diabetes that you have. Weird insulin pump girl. I've found the cure. I am in the millionaire level now. I am the magic Johnson of diabetes. <laughs> I love that because uh, I talk about we talked about Magic Johnson. Like we don't have a Magic Johnson of diabetes because if we did, he'd be in the White House already. You know, doing that thing. I wish Magic had been diagnosed with type two because we would have fixed it. We would have fixed it. <laughs> so many things would be fixed. Because you know, Magic Johnson has the highest win percentage in the history of the NBA. You know, the the two people behind behind him, a guy named Larry Bird, oh, yeah, that lifelong one. lifelong besties and rivals, yep. and Kawhi Leonard is number three. Ka Kawhi Leonard has won seventy seven percent of his NBA games. Anyway, that's just a fun fact. But <laughs> Magic Johnson, whatever you put him, he's going to win. And he, the advocacy that he did for the HIV and AIDS community in the the nineties was literally in the White House with George H W Bush in within weeks of being diagnosed, explaining HIV to the president and to the director of health and human services and creating a path for people with HIV to have someone to look at and, you know, ex to explain. So very similar to what Pete Davidson is doing for Crohn's and what Ralph Barbosa will do on this podcast for people with diabetes. Inshallah, but, inshallah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it really does like there, to me, it puts magic in, it's disrespectful to put, to compare people to magic because there's levels of, of to this shit truly of mm -hmm. the celebrity because he is in the tip top percentage of of all time celebs and athletes there is no there's a mount rushmore of the mount rushmore and magic johnson is on it but i think that's uh you know i hope pete davidson gets to that point but i also saw magic johnson at age 55 you know working out on his yacht that he owns in the mediterranean so there truly is, is levels there's different 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 there's a great book called showtime about the the 1980s lakers 
get to learn a little bit more about magic. There's his documentary on, I think on Hulu called, they call me magic. That was pretty good. Anyway, mm-hmm. shout out magic, shout out magic. Not everything about his shout life obviously is, is, yeah. is, is, is to be adapted to. Obviously he's human, but you know, what he, what you do wh- when you face adversity, how you respond tells me everything yes. that I need to know about you. And, and that is the type of guy that he is. So 100%. And I just okay. want to say, be the person, you know, if you can't, Find the person, be the person, Halle Berry. Anyways, we have a segment to get to. Here's the mail. It never fails. Okay, I'm making this up now. I like it. I, I like we're getting we're jingle. getting we're getting to the jingle. We're getting to it. And we've got some questions from our community talking to <laughs> uh, a question box that we put up about love and diabetes and some interesting stories. So I'm gonna read the first one that was sent to me directly. So it says, when my when we first started dating, my boyfriend said, quote, I never want you to get out of bed to get low supplies. Wake me up and I will get them for you, end quote. That is very sweet, especially Aww. as somebody who does not, I don't love waking up in the middle of the night. So that's like a really nice- Who does, bro? Right? <laughs> who uh, does? So I love that journey for you. And four years later, that changed, but only because we were married and he takes care of our one-year-old when he wakes up at night so that I can rest. So that's, again, we shifted low blood sugars for taking care of the kids. That's super sweet. I knew he was a keeper because of how serious he took my type one, among other things. And that is just a really Aww. sweet Valentine's story. So if you were lonely, you just know that there's there's guys like that out there. Not all you know, men are trash. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So first of all, no, not all men are trash. A lot of them are great ones. And I also have a sweet one that was sent to me directly this morning. It was like the person said I can include their name. So shout out to my friend, Audrey. And she said, haha, okay. Jackson, who I guess slept over on their first date, and she got low at like 2 a.m. And he didn't have experience or anything with diabetes, but he just kept me awake and held me for two hours the very first night we met. And he still does it anytime I have a nighttime low. I think it was so funny she said this to me because just in the same vein of what you said, our friend responded in the group, same group chat and was just like, we hate learning facts about your relationship. Some of us are alone because that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard. Like some man, like your man just holding you in bed while you're sad and low because it feels bad. Like, ah, I love it. I love love. It's so sweet. Ah. It is sweet. Like there's a couple other really fun ones that we got. My boyfriend Let's went to see. the hotel lobby for my low snacks after after having sex, after some little intimacy. And he just went in his boxers and socks. So he was- Man he was, was on a mission. He was on a mission. He went, he ran and, you know, embarrassment be damned. He went and got those low snacks. So shout out to him. This um, is so sweet. Yeah, um, it is. You know, like even in the moment, you got to like prioritize, make the main thing the main thing, right? You got to keep keep alive, keep keep hope alive, keep love alive by treating those low blood sugars. Those I are also, cute though, stories, but there are some question ones. Th- there are some on the opposite end. There are some difficult ones, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and I've said before, and I I see this a lot, like diabetes and dating. Like, if you find somebody who has a lot of either stigma or misinformation or is just rude about your disability and your diabetes, like that's a great filter for saving you a lot of time, and like that way you don't get in a relationship with them and then figure that out down the line. However, well, we've it does... had friends who've been left for that, right? Like, yeah. don't we know someone that like got dumped or divorced because like they got multiple, diagnosed? In the... Multiple people. That's wild. It's crazy, right? But, you know, you don't learn about that. It's again, back to the magic thing, like how you handle adversity in your low moments tells me everything mm. about you, right? So, you know, we had the story submitted. Once, once I was rejected by another medical student because I have diabetes, I thought she was a great girl, but she broke my heart. Because she told her friends, he's a diabetic, he'll surely die soon, and surely won't be able to perform, and and perform is in quotes, so that's, I think, a sexual thing, after 30. And 
he was he told us like it wasn't even a relationship but it still really hurt me and i think that stigma exists out there and many people are in the background operating with misinformation uh, or passing judgment too quickly about something that they really don't know about and so it is really hard to advocate for yourself in those situations because putting yourself out there and dating without any of our adjacent disabilities chronic illnesses what what have you is challenging and it's even worse when somebody uses that as an excuse to not be with you Dude, imagine weaponizing somebody's diabetes against them. And also to the person who wrote in about the girl who just rejected him basically because he has diabetes. That girl's so dumb because, girl, do you know how many guys out here don't have diabetes and shit don't work? Like, it's just like, <laughs> I was just like, like he said that. And I was just like, this girl don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it almost has nothing to do with that. You know, and, and at the same time, like, stigma and misinformation and diabetes can affect your mm-hmm. reproductive organs on both men and women. And high A1Cs and, and all that are directly correlated in some cases. So, not even all misinformation, but just bad attitudes, just like mean, mean spiritedness. Ugh, just ugly. Don't be ugly. Why be don't, ugly yeah. when you can be cute? Able, ableism in, in that is just ugly. It's ugly. God, God don't like ugly. It's- not really he doesn't there's a few questions in here i feel like you're in a like when i think about good relationships maybe this is me painting things in rose color for myself but i i like i like yours like i you know that's mom and dad like rob and erica like couple goals like people who really support and love each other and it's it's really nice to watch you know because there's so many dysfunctional and weird relationships on this planet so it's nice that people around me have you know one that i can look up to and maybe aspire to but we have some questions in here so pick one or two and we get, cause we got four. <laughs> yeah. G- give me one. Give me one good one. And, and thank Let's you. See. I think Erica and I, I, I'm very lucky to have the partner that I have and I think she's lucky to have me, but we'll let yeah. her answer, we'll let her answer that. Another time. You know, one day we'll do like, maybe, maybe we'll do like a relationship full on episode where I'll just like fully quiz you guys and be like, tell me this. But the question today is, and this is, I think, a good one. Does having type 1 affect your thought process around having kids? Is there a stigma there? Ooh. A lot of stigma questions today. I think there can be a stigma. Uh, we talked about, Erica and I talked about in our solo episode, so go back and check that out, about a friend who was going through some of those conversations with their partner who was curious about mm-hmm. having a family. And for us, it hasn't really come up because uh, the numbers are, uh, I think, higher for men who pass on the, yeah. the gene, right? But it's still mm-hmm. really low. And you know, kind of what we decided and we talk about it in the episode is that if that were to happen and we were to have a kid with diabetes, like what better example uh, to set and like what better partnership could we have with, with our child than to, to have somebody who already knows uh, what it's like and help them navigate it. So that's, that's our perspective on it. Uh, mm-hmm. There certainly is, I think, just stigma in general around passing on chronic illnesses. But, you know, related to diabetes, I think my position is I would certainly not want that. But, you know, we can navigate that as a, as a family when the time comes. I also think that, like, I have two healthy parents who did not, like, recently my dad's been diagnosed with type 2, but neither one of them had diabetes. Diabetes didn't run in my family, and I still got diabetes. So yeah, you same. could be totally healthy and still get something. It, it's literally one appointment that changes your life. And I, you know, I don't wish to have kids that are, like, chronically ill or disabled in any way. However, if my child was chronically ill or disabled, I would love and take care of them because that is why they're my child. Like there's also this underlying personal belief system, right? That you have to have with your partner. If you ask me, 
where it's like what's meant for you is meant for you what's written for you is already written that child has been assigned to you from it's a higher power like that's not even my decision dog so i also think like back to mindset like operating from a fear mindset operating from a scarce mindset like don't don't bring those things don't manifest those things for you and your Mm -hmm. family like no matter who we are we're gonna love each other no matter who we are we're gonna be ourselves that's my that's my position on kids Uh, no matter who they are i'm gonna love them no matter what challenges come we're gonna do what we can as a family to move move past it so and embrace it too i think that's that's part of it is like accepting them for who they are no matter what that comes with i love this mailbag we're gonna usually we're only gonna do like one or two but this is special it's gonna be a valentine's day and we're gonna do two more okay so the first one is does having type one ever make you feel like a burden how do you manage that in a relationship Ooh, these are deep (laughs) he's a nah nope (laughs) he's never ever really i maybe i do i do sometimes because it's like I'm cranky when I'm low or like sometimes I'll be like high and I'll just be like, "Ah!" so it's like, why does that person have to deal with my nonsense? Like, I'm sorry for how I act when my diabetes is being annoying. That just sounds very not fun. I guess. I wonder if if you've ever felt like your diabetes is a burden, please write in mailbag at diabeticsdoingthings.com. I just want to make sure I'm not by myself because I, I I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you're not. I just feel bad for it all the time. And I said this in the last episode, but like my ex used to say like that he'd help me. Like that was like the romantic thing he would do for me is like help you when your blood sugars are messed up. And I'm just like, ew, like I don't like that. Don't weaponize my disability against me. So other people who have felt like burdens, please tell me because I feel alone right now looking at this man who's not a burden to anybody apparently. <laughs> I, I, I am a burden to myself. That's how I've always kind of internalized that. Okay. It's my responsibility to, and I do have help. And I think I'm better now at accepting help and asking for help. But I don't see myself as a burden in any in any way. Even when I do things that are not like that I'm making the decision to do, I just I don't want to view myself as a burden anytime. That's a good way to think about it. Maybe I should let me write that. I'm gonna ask my therapist. <laughs> okay, so the last one's gonna be cute, because we keep it cute around here. What is a cute or loving thing your partner does or has done when experiencing a low or high? If you want to share with us. You don't have to, I guess. My thing that's cute, I think, is that Erica makes sure that our, my, my gummy bears are reordered all the time. So she's like the keeper Aww. of the inventory. And I, I've talked about this a little bit before. I am very like improvisational and like not so good at planning ahead. I'm getting better. But she makes sure that, that we're never empty on gummy bears. And for those who've listened for a long time and heard my stories, I used to just like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll just go to 7-Eleven or oh, cool. I'll just like figure this out. But I now have a stasher bag full of gummy bears in my man bag. I've got I've got gummy bears in the pantry at home and like multiple bags and like when we get to the last bag she reorders the next one so like that's the cute cute thing that she does that's really sweet oh it's like you don't even have to think about it because like mm-hmm. the stasher bag just says stocked <laughs> we all deserve it erica where's mine god i'm just kidding Where is it? when will it be my turn <laughs> well i've um, asked like five of these questions in the mailbag so uh... well he's he's a real one so you know speaking of him He's cool too. Like he'll do stuff like, first of all, never says anything about helping with diabetes, which I really appreciate. Something I've noticed with relationships and diabetes is that my pump site will always get ripped out. Like, because someone's always touching you or like, you know, doing this. So that's one thing. But the other thing he, and he'll like help me get a new one. But the other thing he'll do is I hate eating when I'm low. And I know that sounds crazy. Some people are like, I love it. I hate it. Don't want to chew. Don't want to anything. So he, if I'm like, oh, I'm going low. He's like, how many arrows? I'll like tell him. 
And he'll be like, I'll be right back. And he'll come with like a bottle of Mrs. Buttersworth and just give me like two tablespoons. He's like, here you go. Boom. And it's just like done. Don't even think about it anymore. But that's usually when we're at his place. So he keeps like maple syrup around. So he eats like very high protein, low carb, but he always has maple syrup or like a new bottle of Mrs. Buttersworth. That's my favorite. I don't fuck with Aunt Jemima. That's racist. I think, so, they, yeah. I think they totally changed it, by the way. I don't think it's called that Good. Anymore. You know, there's a, as a small aside, there's a girl in high school who used to call me Aunt Jemima. Yeah, tough, tough scene. Like, and I would, like, laugh. Like, that's how she had me saved in her phone. And I would, like, laugh. and be like, oh, that's so funny. That's so cute. I really wanted you guys to like me. I'm so glad I'm not like that anymore. Well, you know, there's a lot of unlearning that's going on. I'm sure if you guys did a, did a solo <laughs> podcast, the two of you, you would squash the beef. Uh, and you didn't know what you didn't know. She's but a that, sweet girl. That shows, She's sweet. Yeah, you know, if you think that racism is fake, that is racism. <laughs> and even innocent racism is still racism. Well, that was the mailbag. Mailbag. I tried to sing. I'm not a good singer. This is what Black History Month. Air Train can't sing. There you go. I cannot sing or dance. That's the fact. But thank you for listening today to today's episode. Right into the mailbag. We're going to have some really great topics. Maybe we'll put them on the story. But it would be the best if you guys could write to us. Send your questions about diabetes, relationships, life, anything. Mailbag at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Rob and I will answer your questions on the show. And we're doing them on every episode now. So keep Keep it locked, even if you want to skip to the end, just to get to those mailbox responses. Um, I'm real excited about that. You can also click through in the chapters on Spotify. Check out the show notes for the book recommendations, as well as uh, the other podcast episodes that we referenced. And we'll see you next time. Bye.